he ua ua tangata, he mau mau rākau. If the people are not united, then we are like that of a rotting tree. Enga mana, enga reo, enga kārangaranga maha o te motu, nau mai hoki mai ki te whare nei a te ahikā. Ko Justin Murray ahau, I'm Justin Murray and welcome to Te Ahikā on Radio New Zealand National. Last week we heard from a recipient of the Ngārimu VC scholarships, continuing our theme of looking at young talent on the rise. This week we're with Rotorua-born classical artist Elizabeth Marvelli. With Whakaria Mai, um, that's a song that for me, you know, it, it was totally my, um, my, my musical upbringing, if you like. It was when I was 16 and on tour with Sir Howard, I would stand um, in the wings on the side of the stage every night and I would listen to him sing that song and I would just be in awe and I'd watch him um, just absolutely having the audience right there with him and he was, he was just incredible. Elizabeth Mar Valley, you'll hear more of her later on, including a remake of Air Papa. In 2004, around 20,000 people converged in a hikui on the steps of Parliament in protest against legislation to do with the foreshore and seabed. Its replacement, the Marine and Coastal Takutai Moana Bill, has generated its own protest march. We don't want them to legislate on this bill. We want them to cross the floor and say no to this legislation. We do not agree with it. And uh, the Marina Coastal Area Bill, we want to say no to it. We don't agree with it. That's why we're giving full support today to this hikoi. That's some of what's coming up in this edition of Te Ahika. It's a story that sounds like a film script. A Māori boy is brought up in a small community, ends up working at the freezing works in Waitara for 20 years, and then eventually ends up, well, a national sports star. What I've just described was real life for rugby league legend Howie Thamati. Having hung up his boots back in 1985, he's taken to administration roles, including the chairmanship of the New Zealand Māori Rugby League from 2006 to 2008. In 1994, he was made MBE for services to rugby league. At the end of last year, I met Howie at his Taranaki Sport offices, where he's the CEO, to talk about a life devoted to league. Ko Taranaki te maunga, ko te ateawa, Ngāti Mutunga, uh, yes, I've, I've had a fantastic uh, journey with rugby league over the years. Um, I first played for New Zealand in 1979 um, and I was a regular member of the Kiwi side for seven years. Uh, I retired in 1985. Um, during my playing career, I had the, I had the uh, honour of playing under um, Cess Melford, uh, who was a great Kiwi coach. And then uh, in, in the mid-80s, I played with uh, under Graham Lowe as our, as our Kiwi coach and played with some of the greatest players of, the, of that era. Um, I retired from playing and went to Wellington. I coached in Wellington for about nine years. 
during my time there, I, I um, coached uh, Wellington. I coached the junior Kiwis, uh, the uh, president's 13s, and then um, eventually made uh, Kiwi coach. So I was coach for the New Zealand Rugby League side for, for two years, coached the Kiwis, and, now, and then I moved on to an administrative role within the game. Um, I'm still involved with the game at the highest level. I'm convener of selectors for the Kiwis and working with Tony Kemp and Stephen Kearney um, and Tawara Niko and Tony Iro. And that's a fantastic honour. And I've, you know, I've been involved so so long from 1979, <laughs> 1979. to uh, 2010 uh, at international level for Man. rugby league. Um, during my time in Wellington, I was... Uh, I worked for the Hillary Commission. Uh, I worked for Māori Affairs first, and I was a community development officer, a community youth worker. And then I, I worked for the Hillary Commission with, alongside uh, Waimanama Taumanu as national manager for uh, Māori sport. And then I returned uh, home to Taranaki in 1994, and I uh, took over as the CEO of Sport Taranaki. And I've been there ever since. <laughs> well, luckily, I've got plenty of variation to my life there. What, you know, looking back to those years, what do you think was the single most important thing that rugby league taught you? Uh, well, I certainly grew up. Um, you know, I was fortunate to have uh, a wonderful coach in Cess Melford. Um, he had amazing values, uh, huge degree of honor, honesty, and but also um, developed a uh, uh, a culture within the side that was. Um, Built on respect and uh, you know pride in the Kiwi jersey and and respect for the people who supported it. So yeah, I, I look back in those times. It was you know certainly character building for me. Um, so you bring to the table or to the field um, with your work in rugby league today. What 30, 20, 30 years? Yes, yeah, I think it's yeah, thirty yeah, years. Yeah, a long time, of, um, eh? I, I, I guess, in a sense, um, you know, I've, I was a, you know, I, I was a good athlete, uh, but I wasn't, a, you know, I wasn't a great player as such. I was just, uh, you know, I like to think of myself as a, um, a very good team player, and I, and I, I was totally committed to to helping the team uh, to win. I was, I was happy uh, for other people to, to to have the limelight, just knowing that I did my bit on the field. Um, and I was fortunate enough to to play with some great players who, um, I guess, appreciated uh, the things that I did. You know, I think that's was you know when you when you're actually a player, it's to have the respect of the the men that you're playing with uh, is, is really the ultimate. Um, uh, I, that's I guess that was my driver in terms of you know I always dreamed of wearing the Kiwi jersey. And once achieved, it was sort of thing. Well, this is my jersey. I'm going to keep hold of it for as long as I can. And you know, seven years um, playing at that time outside of uh, Auckland, which was the the key area for rugby league, uh, it was a very thing, hard, very hard thing to do. Um, but you know, once I got through the door, I, I, I kept the door open for myself, trained as harder than anybody and <laughs> and, and played as honestly as I could and, and I, I obviously uh, I must have played okay to stay in there for that long. Mm. Um, Howie, can we just go back um, to um, where you were brought up, mm. your upbringing, how many siblings you have? Mm. Well, there were um, five members of our f- family, of uh, two brothers and uh, two sisters. Um, the my upbringing was, um, you know, like a sheltered one. My my mum brought our family up basically, 
um, and she was a wonderful, wonderful woman. She spent 55 years of uh, her life washing football jerseys and uh, <laughs> feeding footballers and saw, f- you know, five generations of... Um, Five generations of, of, of people, men in their in their families, uh, come through the club, you know. So she was she never Biggest really watched. Fan. She never really watched football. She just uh, fed the footballers and washed their football jerseys and looked after their kids while the while the men were playing, you know, feeding them through the shop and all that sort of thing. You know, yeah. she's uh, great. So I had the, her as a as a as a great role model, and um, you know, she still gives today. You know, still volunteers at the Corso and volunteers. Um, at the food bank, you know, she, her life is all about giving. Mm. Uh, so we were very fortunate at that time, you know. Uh, at, and I was brought up in this freezing works town. Um, the aspir- dreams and aspirations of most of the kids were to follow dad and mum into the freezing works and good money, hard work, but good money and, and, and a great group of people to work was with. Was this in Taranaki? It was in Waitara. Waitara. Yeah. So, um, you know, that was my, you know, I spent uh, 20 years of my life. I used to work in the school holidays and then and then when I left uh, school, I eventually ended up in the freezing works and spent 20 years there. And, um, you know, ended up uh, just boning beef on a boning floor. But it was a great life. You you worked hard, um, start from half past seven in the morning, worked till half past four, worked hard during the day, but then you didn't, you all your cares when you hung your knives up and you went and played, you know. Um, and that was part of your life for 20 years? Yeah, for, for a good part of my life. And, you know, they supported the Freezing Works the Union. They supported me when I went away to, to on football trips. Um, you know, and they were very supportive of me, uh, all my mates at work, in terms of what I was doing on the football field. I think I guess they took a, a lot of pride in the, in the way that I was um, performing you know, on their behalf. So, you know, that was that was part of the reward, I suppose. In, uh, I, in 1980, sorry, yeah, 1986, after retiring, I married. I married Arawaro. And uh, we moved off to uh, Wellington to start a whole new career, which was, uh, you know, quite stressful, really, in its early times, because I was down as the, uh, working for the Department of Māori Affairs, so working in a government agency, mm. learning, the, learning all, the, <laughs> you know, all the bureaucracy of that, but also... Uh, director of coaching for the Wellington Rugby League, you know, and, and so I was working two jobs, new wife, had uh, three children from a previous um, relationship uh, that that Arawaro, uh took on board, and you know we started life, lived their life, and um, lived in Wainui Amata for 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 nine years, and during the period of time when they went from a second division club to uh, the national champions, it was a it was, that was a wonderful story too. Tell us about that. When was that? that well, um, when I went down to Wellington, we we we, we found a place in Wainui Amata, uh, and um, at the time, uh, Karapukutapu's daughter was secretary of the club, and she asked her father for some advice around how do they get better, and so he he went to the club. I can remember going to their first ever meeting. Uh, they he called a community meeting about developing this plan, this five year plan to build club rooms. And won a national championship, and I thought, well, that's a wonderful plan, but um, how, you know, I, I've got to see it happening, you know. And so, that, I think he's a, he's a really special man, uh, Karapukitapu. He has this ability to generate uh, communities 
to make mm. efforts around something that they're really passionate about. And rugby league was a real passion for them. They just needed some good, strong guidance, and they got some good players, and they got some good coaching. He was coaching in the rest, of, you know. So he was this old Māori All Black coaching the rugby league team, and <laughs> but you know the the story unfolded. They had some uh, fantastic players that, that were weren't playing for Wainui, but actually lived in Wainui. The Lomax family, uh, they were they were a big uh, rugby league family, and. And uh, it all was all pulled together very skillfully. Kenny Laban had a big, big part to play in that as well. And your involvement, obviously, with Māori Rugby League mm. has not um, disintegrated over time. In fact, um, you're right at the forefront. Currently, you're the chairman of the New Zealand Māori Rugby League. Yep. Um, well, that came about. The New Zealand Rugby League uh, asked me if I would give them a hint. Uh, the New Zealand Māori Rugby League was struggling in 2004. And, um, Financially, yeah, they they were having a lot of difficulties. There was some, you know, there was obviously issues in terms of the way that the organisation was being run. So they asked if I would take it over, and so they put me as an interim chairman. As fate would have it, uh, a lady rang me up and talked to me about the national tournament. Her name was Christine Woods, the the wife of Mark Woods, who was a player in Wellington that went on and played for the Kiwis when I was coaching them. I listened to this. Lady Christine, and um, I felt that this, she had some fantastic ideas, and um, and so we got to work, probably the pair of us, and and basically sorted the New Zealand Māori Rugby League out. I got a new board of people to help me, and um, we've gone on and uh, over that period of time, I've been there six years now, and uh, we've got a new board, really professional, good quality people. And we've done some fantastic things. We celebrated our centenary in 2008. 2008. And, you know, that was a pinnacle year for us. Um, had a book written, uh, The History of Māori Rugby League, 100 Years of Māori Rugby League. By John Coffey and Bernie Woods. Yeah, well, they were, they were an interesting pair. They were rugby league historians, but they're Pākehā fellows, you know. And, you know, there was sort of issues about, oh, your Pākehā's mm. running about Māori Rugby League. Through Pākehā eyes. Through Pākehā eyes. But the thing is that... Um, they wrote it in Pākehā eyes, but what I did was I I had to under, get them to understand it was Māori Rugby League. It was about Māori Rugby League. It was about the international matches that had been played. It wasn't about Māori players who played Rugby League who played for the Kiwis. You know what I mean? And th- that, was the, that was the course that they were on. So I must have read through their notes and, their, and the stories that they'd written you know, six times to, to, before I was finished, I was happy with the book. There's yeah. a very s- strong support. Um, uh, I mean, the iwi of Tainui, you know, um, yep. many, I mean, yep. they, they, yeah, they love their rugby league. Yep. Howie, I know you probably don't want to do this, but could we flick to that page of that photo of you, please, in the book? And could you tell me a bit about that photo? Oh, it's one of a few that's in there. So I suppose that Bernie's through there. But uh, that's me playing for the Kiwis, actually, uh, in 1985. I'm just passing the ball and pulled an ugly face as I've thrown the ball. But, uh, yeah, that's um, that's in a test match over in England, uh, 1985, my last tour, as a as a player. Mm. Kiwis versus England. Yeah. So there's, uh, but there's a number of stories that uh, have my, um, featured my cousin Kevin in there when we played uh, against each other at Wembley Stadium in uh, the Challenge Cup final. Uh, I, had a, I had a professional rugby league career um, over in England. For a short time, not as long as he. He was away for twenty five years. He was, um, and he had a great, oh. great career over there. But, um, but within the book, I don't talk about me. Uh, well, I know it's about me, but I love this book. 
I think it's uh, fant- they've done a great job, the historians. Yes. We, um, and it tells the early pioneering days. And what became apparent to me was just how well recorded um, the uh, the games were in those days. Kia ora, Howie Tamati no Teatiawa me ngaitahu. The league legend talking about his sporting days. Now the CEO of Sport Taranaki. For more information about Howie, head to our webpage radioNZ.co.nz forward slash te ahika. That's T E A H I K A A. Seven years ago, several hikoi or protest marches against the proposed foreshore and seabed bill converged on the grounds of Parliament. Thousands of marchers were in attendance at an event which led to the formation of the Māori Party. Despite the opposition of the protesters, the bill was enacted, and it's remained the law ever since. The Māori Party agreed to support the current minority national government on condition that the law be reconsidered, so a review process was set in operation two years ago. Public hui were held around the country, the existing law and the wider issue of who owned and had rights to the foreshore and seabed were discussed at length. What resulted was the Marine and Coastal Area Bill, Takutai Moana, the new legislation which intended by the government to replace the current foreshore and seabed act. However, not all Māori are happy with this, as they feel that their rights to use the foreshore and seabed will still be infringed. So, in an echo of the earlier protest, the Takutai Moana Hikoi made its way to Parliament on Tuesday, having set out from Cape Reinga eight days before. In this report from the day, I'm at Te Papa Museum in Wellington two hours before the march is to begin. This uh, Hikoi, in terms of the discussion that we've gathered right from Te Hiku Motika uh, and through the Rohe, just so everyone knows, we started off Te Hiku, came through Te Hiku Motika, went through Kaipara, Tamaki Makaudo, uh, South oh, Auckland, and then we headed over to Te Hauraki. Uh, from there we went over to Tauranga Moana, Makatū, crossed back over into Tarawawaka, Motorua, Maireira, Ka Ahuake Te Haere, Whakarunga, Kipaipu, Whakawhetiatu ki Kahawunu, Nohoi Mo Te Pō. Uh, and then from there came through to uh, Raukawa, Foxton. We stayed the night um, last night at Tangabuwa here. Uh, I raro i te manaki tanga me te maru hoki o Ngāti Toa Rangatira na katatū mai nei i tēnei rangi. Justin Murray, Radio New Zealand National Te Ahika, uh, at the uh, Takutai Moana 2011 Hikoi here in Wellington. We're outside the Papa. It's run about just after 9 o'clock. Kia ora, kia ora. Kia ora. Ko waito ingoa. Ko mire, wikitera Simon, e nohoana ki Kaitaia, Victoria Valley. Ka haere mai ahau ki te tautoko te kaupapa o te rānei. We don't want them to legislate on this bill. We want them to cross the floor and say no to this legislation. We do not agree with it. And uh, the Marine and Coastal Area Bill, we want to say no to it. We don't agree with it, that's why we're giving full support today to this hikoi. What does the legislation mean for you and your people up north? It means that they will have control over our beaches, they will be doing drilling, oil drilling, they'll just tahai our whenua, which goes out to sea, 
like that sign says. What does that sign say? Kaipara Harbour, no turbines. If the whānau iwi and hapu have lived there for years, mairano, and they've been ahika, they've had um, kaitiakitanga of that harbour, that's Ngāti Whātou and all those people that live in that area, and now all of a sudden the property right of those people, their customary right has been violated. By who? Well, who are the people that have done that, for instance? That's just one thing that, that I'm against. It, it more or less takahis, the people of the Kaipara Harbour. They all unanimously do, do not want it. So if a resource consent was given, can, do you know who, who by? Environmental courts? The environmental court have come over the top of a Māori community to agree to this. And to me, our customary rights have never been extinguished. We, the Tangata Whenua, live here. We have got to wear the protection under Te Treaty of all our rights which are guaranteed in Article 2. Kia ora. Kia ora. Um, Tell us about uh, the hikoi and your journey down here to Pohiki. Oh, kia ora. I didn't really come on the hikoi for the whole nine days, but I... Tibatanga, Tereringa Wairua. We went up there nine days ago. I'm, I'm sorry, I should remember dates, shouldn't I? Nine <laughs> hey. days ago, we started this hikoi at Tereringa Wairua. We had a karakia and the blessing of our of our tupuna to carry the wairua of our people with us on this journey. So it's very um, a sacred spiritual journey that we've come on today. But because I have three mukopuna at home, I can't be away for nine days. No. Consequently, we have travelled from Tereringa, uh, from Kaitaia, down to Tamaki Makoto and, and stayed one night, and we've come on the journey to today to, to this point. And we're happy there's two vans that have come down yesterday to join this hikoi today. We all totoko. So were you at the 2006 foreshore in Seabed? No, it was 2004. 2004. On oh, the 6th of May. Yes, I was. I was here then, as I am here now. Nope. Because it is a political, it is political, and at the end of it, it's um, Finlayson? Yep, Chris, Chris, Chris Finlayson. And, and the Māori Party. Uh, the Māori Party and National that have agreed to this bill that we're against. The only man that I totoko in this is Hone Harawera, who's now become an independent. So the issue is not about Hone today, it's about the Takatai Moana. It's about reclaiming what is, is ours and to say no to the bill. That's for me personally. Okay, we want the Māori Party to cross the floor, say no to the bill, and, you know, come on our side. I, we don't want this rule and divide tactic, and that's the way I look at it. We want to stand tall, honour the kaupapa, be true, true to the kaupapa, tika puno. You can't go wrong. And we're all here to support it today, unanimously. So right now we're listening to Robata Paura, who is uh, talking to the some 150 people that are gathered here 
Te Papa Tongariwa in Wellington. Uh, this Kia is, um, he, this is he, the uh, starting point of the hikoi, and shortly it'll make its way to Parliament. As we proceed up the street, uh, you will notice that the trolley buses that are powered by uh, those lines, those electricity lines. Um, and as I look to my left, there's about uh, there's half a dozen police officers standing ready to guide the hikoi um, from Tupapa to Parliament. To an Aitua, an accident. Kia tūpato. For those who are flying their flags. So, right now they're handing out different pamphlets uh, here so at the Hikui, just waiting until it's 11 o'clock. Um, and the Hikui is going to be marched in silence, so we're not going to hear any chanting along the way. Up Altia Key in Wellington towards Parliament. So right now we're listening to Henerangi uh, Cooper, the daughter of Fina Cooper. First, I must pay respects to the Pofinua, the Pofinua that's lying in this building. I pay respects to that Pofinua who led the march in 75. My mother who was alive then. I pay respects to the Pofinua who led the Hikwe in 2004. I pēnei tāku whaia, pēa, ko tātou ia tātou ia rātou, wa tātou hihia. Tino mama ana te wairua, tino mama ana te wairua. I was speaking to my brother who couldn't be here. He tuakana heia kia hau who couldn't be here, Natana Māwiwi. Haere koe mahi ngā te mahi mō tō tātou iwi Māwi. Te kōrero kaha tōku whaia, whakarongo, whakarongo. E te krauna, koukoutou e whakarongo ana ki te tangia tō tātou iwi Māwi. So what she's saying now is she wants the Crown to listen, listen to the call of the minor people who are opposed to this legislation. This is affecting all of us. To all the queer that are not from to my father, to my koro from Ngāti Kahungunu, from my in my blood now I shed tears for the Māori people. Where are we without our land and our foreshoring seabed? That is my kōrero today. I am hurt, deeply hurt. I would like to give thanks to my people of the Northland, to my elders, to my, to my elders who have come to support today. My kōrero is like this. You are all strong. 
I now turn my, um, my thoughts to Hone. You, you have the support of Te Kaitokero. Hone is uh, righteous and true to what he believes in. I turn my thoughts to my iwi. Do not fall for the false. Stay true to what you believe in. This is what I am saying. I stay strong, stay strong. I agree that this that what we're doing is correct. I support this. Hoyano, uh, therefore, thank you. Kia ora. あ、今日のこと、あ、ご報告とウィリオテラギポファレ。あ、ノロトアウヤツホ。あ、カイコネアウテタウトホヤホフナウナ。あ、オナポヒ。もうお寺。お手、手ひこをテイク。あ、いる
My name is Magic Powder and I'm from the Taitokero. So you just sing that um, beautiful way, so tell me what it's about. Okay, Prisoner in Aotearoa, um, it was mainly written for the Tuhui people. Um, it's all about being alienated in our own whenua, you know, we've been prisoned, prison, um, you know, for doing stuff that we think's right and uh, wrong to the government. So, Who wrote it? Um, it's actually a rewrite song. From um, Shinehead. Shine? Oh. Sting? Yeah. Shinehead did Jamaican yeah, in Yeah, it's, it's not our, our Waiata, but dad, um, my dad rewrites those Waiata for us. So. Have you sung in this kind of forum before, like in Hikui or in protest? Oh, yeah, all the time, all the time, every forums, um, and with everybody. <laughs> yeah. How old are you? I'm 15. What school do you go to? Um, I'm currently at Te Wananga Orokau at the moment. In Otaki. Otaki, yeah, that's the one. Kia ora, kia ora, kia ora hini. Kia ora. I'm Dana Bailey, and our sign says Ahika, which is um, about home fires burning and people who who maintain the whenua and, and our tūranga waiwai and our wākato. And... Yeah, we're Nari Tour, so we've got our Nari Tour down the bottom. Oh, so it says Ahika Tour. Rangatira. Nati Tour, Rangatira. Aye. Kapai. And um, so, um, how have you found the, the little gathering and the, the hikoi? How do you feel about the what, what they're protesting about? Oh, I feel really mamai about it, really, for my children. Yeah. Is this your, this your girl? Aye. What's your girl's name? This is Larissa Bailey. What's your name? (laughs) And I think just because historically we can see that the government don't really make wise decisions when they have state-owned enterprises and when they they do have kaitiakitanga over our assets, you know, they don't have the same understanding of the spiritual value for us to maintain and protect the environment. It's not really high on their agenda. And, you know, like like someone was saying earlier, there's, there's no doubt that they're only in it for the money, you know. And sorry, that doesn't work, that doesn't work for me. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, look what happened... Look what happened in Japan, you know, what's money going to do? It, you know, they need somewhere to be able to rest their heads. And at the moment, money has no value to them because, you know, so at the end of the day, what, what's it going to prove? Can you tell me about who's who's holding your sign with you? <laughs> oh, this is my daughter, Nike Royal. Hi. What's, what school do you go to? Um, Mana College. Is that a Johnson Happy yeah. to be here today. Yeah. My name is Gary Cranston, and I'm from Dublin, Ireland. 
Dublin, Dublin, yeah. Ireland. So uh, you're wearing a, a hoodie, Tino Rangatiratanga hoodie? Yeah, I'm here to support people here. I'm here to support communities all over the country eh, that are trying to stop anti-drilling uh, projects. So, you know, we need to keep fossil fuels in the ground. And I think one of the best things people in this country can do is stand strong with people who are actually in communities facing drilling projects like people over on the east coast around the Podaki looking at um, multinational corporations coming in and drilling off the shores, threatening them with oil spills. Um, people over in Taranaki are already surrounded by uh, fossil fuel projects and now are facing, I think, about 30 new projects onshore and offshore. And this is Parihaka, eh? Everybody knows what happened there. We should support that kind of thing. So if you take, you know, climate change seriously and you want to stop climate change and protect the earth, we need to stand strong with the people who are actually facing these problems in their real lives, in their communities. So I'm here to support that kind of thing. Eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's obvious that you're passionate about the issue. Mm, yeah, totally, yeah. Well, I mean, this is it. You know, this is the big thing. Climate change, it's, a, it's an ultimatum. But um, that wasn't caused by the, the, the indigenous people of this country, or most people in the world, actually. You know, it was caused by um, growth-driven economies all over the world. And, you know, the, the, the entire process of colonisation and climate change are very much uh, linked. Kia ora. Kia ora. Kia ora. So we're going to ask you to actually formulate our kui and kaumatua first, behind the police car. And then after that... Um, and then, oh sorry, it's the Kotahitanga flag. Our Kotahitanga flag will be behind the police car. Our Kuyan Kaumatua will be behind the Kotahitanga flag. Our babies and push chairs will be behind them. So I'm just asking if we can get So any minute the should start and it's about so, um, and ensuring sure that, that the people are all are in the front because we're going uh, safely gathered. And there's no obstacles. And it's a silent road. march. Once we're on the road, what we'll probably do is just organise where the banners and whatnots are going. There's nothing more effective than this silent march. Beautiful. The Aborigines do the same. They did that when they had that 240,000 march over the bridge. Remember the Aboriginal one? Yeah. So you think it's more effective than chanting? It's forceless. So in front of the uh, march protest there is a uh, police escort service um, going probably about 5 to 10 k's or maybe even less down Lenton Key, one of the Wellington's busiest streets and uh, about uh, 10 metres behind the cop car is the sign Māori Seabed Foreshore, the foreshore is about F-O-R space S-H-O-R-E. And in the front they have uh, queer, some from the Northland wearing uh, row or leaf uh, headbands on top of their head. It is a silent protest, uh, which is the reason why we can't hear any chanting. And uh, that was the, the rule of the protest, was to remain wahanu or silent. Um, the protesters are slowly making their way down uh, Lambton Quay. 
silent protest and despite it being silent, obviously the hustle and bustle of Wellington streets is still very much uh, out and about, including a busker to my left. And lots of people have come outside their stores um, trying to find out what's happening. This is Justin Murray, Radio New Zealand National Tahika. You heard there from some of the Takutai Hikoi protesters taking their calls to the steps of Parliament. Mere Simon, Te Tauiri o Te Rangi Paufare, Magic Powder, Dina Bailey and Gary Gunston. You can see photos of the hikoi at radionz.co.nz forward slash te ahika. And while you're there, why not click onto the Facebook logo to head to our Facebook page. She can count Paul Potts as one of her friends. You remember him, the cell phone salesman who won Britain's Got Talent a few years ago? She's a relative of the late Sir Howard Morrison and features Richard Nunn's The Expert in Taonga Pūro, that's traditional Māori instruments, on her latest album, Home. I'm talking about 21-year-old classical singer and soprano Elizabeth Marvelli, who, in between performances, travel and promoting the album, is discovering her taha Māori. Ko Elizabeth Taku Ingoa, uh, ko Te Arawa Te Waka. Kia ora. Um, Elizabeth, so Te Arawa Te Waka, yep. Rotorua, mm-hmm. were you born Aye. and raised then? I was, yeah, I was. Um, I was born in 1989 um, in Rotorua, and I, yeah, I grew up there, I went to school there, um, and I still kind of call it home. You know, I think once you, when you're, when you're from Rotorua, it's always going to be home. Look over to the horizon, see the stars above. Though it seems so very distant, that's the way back to love. That's the Would you describe yourself as a as a as a classical artist? Um, yeah, I mean the the genre that I that I sing most in is is sort of termed classical crossover. Um, so we we sing in a classical kind of way with a, a classical vibe, and and quite often we cross over into other genres, so like into pop and and folk and and jazz and and all sorts really. So yeah, definitely a classical singer who sings a whole lot of uh, music from a whole lot of different origins. How did you start, when did you start singing? Um, I started singing, right in the beginning, I started singing when I was about eight. I started in choirs um, and just really loved it. And then I started taking some lessons when I was about 13. Um, And then uh, I started, I think my, my real big, my first big um, professional break was with Sir Howard um, and he took me on tour on the Night with the Dame tour in 2006 and I was 16 and yeah it was it was awesome and from, from then on I was kind of you know completely bitten by the bug so yeah. How did Sir Howard Morrison discover you? Um, well, we're actually Fano. Um, it's you I mean you know what it's like. It's all a bit complicated to explain, but um, yep. in in many ways he's kind of like the caudal that I never had because I I never actually met my grandfather on my mum's side. 
Um, and we just, we became very close. Um, so Howard and I, and just, um, he was like a real mentor to me because I like, like so many, um, New Zealanders, uh, I was brought up in, in quite a Pākehā way. My, my family, my whānau had moved away, um, from the marae and, and I always felt when I was growing up that there was something missing. And I mean, I didn't even know that I was Māori until I was about eight years old. Um, and then when I found that out, it was like, oh, you know, things actually make sense. And then um, it's kind of, you know, it's been it's been a real journey. And, and so Howard really helped me to actually um, discover my whakapapa and and to, to figure out where I belonged as well. And so, um, yeah, I mean, he's just, I, I'm, I'm so grateful for, for everything. I, I owe so much to him. He was amazing. Amazing grace, how sweet. So, Elizabeth, when you're saying that you didn't know you were Māori until you were eight, yeah. were you a whangai? Were you adopted? No, 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 no I wasn't. Um, I was, you know, um, my, my family is, is pretty uh, normal in that kind of kind of way that, you know, it's mum, dad and, and me. But um, my my mum's family had moved away from the marae and uh, there was just, I don't know what it was, but no one ever told me. Um, I didn't have a lot of contact with my mum's family, who are my Māori family, and, and now I do, which is wonderful. Um, but it, it's just, it, you know, I don't really know what happened before I was born, um, but but I, I didn't find out, like like I said, until I was about eight. So don't take this the wrong way, Elizabeth, but does your mum look Māori? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. she does. Okay. Um, absolutely. I know, I know. But I think, you know, when you're, when you're eight years old, you, you don't really, I don't know, I just didn't really, I, I always knew that something was, was missing for me, that, like, you know, there was something that, that I, uh, there was a pull for me that, that I just couldn't really explain. Um, but, yeah, and then it all started to make sense, and then it's, it's just been a bit of a mm. crazy journey. So a bit of a self-discovery journey. <laughs> yeah, eh? totally. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking, um, you know, we're, we're no words like kai or whānau used in the household? No, to... no, none of that. Mm. Not at all. Until, I mean, at primary school, um, you know, we I think in Ōtero we're, we're so lucky that all of our kids are, um, well, you know, f- f- especially from my primary school anyway, um, all of our kids were taught, um, you know, basic Māori language. And, and you know, as a, as a result, I can name lots of classroom items. Um, but, you know, now it's it's my responsibility and my journey to go to go further and to actually learn te reo. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm embarking on at the moment, which is so exciting. Um, and, yeah, it just feels really good. Because I did read somewhere, Elizabeth, that you were, uh, it was written that you're the niece of Howard, but that's mm. not the case. Not not directly. Yes. Um. I'm. I'm. It's. Uh, you know. He had the best way of explaining it. He used to say, um, that when he'd introduce me on stage, he'd say, "Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to my auntie." Um. Because the way that it works is that, um, I am descended from, um, the same line that Sir Howard is, uh, by an earlier marriage. So we are blood related. Um. But I am kind of the my my line is the first line and, and his I think is the second. Um, so he always used to say that I was his auntie, which everyone right. Thought so was there hilarious. is definitely fuck up a connection. Absolutely right.
kids pie. Um, let's move on from from um, your self discovery yeah. um, in terms of your your taha Māori really mm-hmm. to to the the music. I was listening to it this morning, Elizabeth. I got to say that um, your rendition of "Don't Dream It's Over" by Crowded House is probably my favourite. Oh, thank What you. would be the favourite on the album? Or was that just like asking? Who's it's like, your it's like child? asking, yeah, totally asking a mother who her favourite baby is. <laughs> I hear that all the time. <laughs> hey, Paul Potts, that was that was quite cool to hear. Paul Potts, the old uh, cell phone, former cell phone uh, salesman, that one big on. Is that the guy that? That's yeah, yeah. Britain's Got Talent. Britain's Paul. Got mm-hmm. Talent. That was quite cool to hear that. Um, your rendition of the prayer. How did that collaboration come about? Um, well, I toured with Paul uh, quite a bit from 2008, and. He was just wonderful to me, you know. He took me um, around the world as his guest artist, and I had such an amazing time. Um, and then when I when I came to make my record, um, I was quite, you know, nervous and scared, and just ended up saying one day, like in a, in a rush, as you do when there's something scary that you've got to say, Paul, would you possibly be on my album? Um, and he kind of went, what? <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I just I asked him whether he would possibly think about coming and, and singing a duet on my album, and he just. Yeah, he totally stunned me. He was like, of course. So, yeah, so that's that's how that came about. We, we recorded the prayer. It's cool. couple of waiata on your album um, Home, mm-hmm. you've um, you've sung uh, a couple of waiata Māori, the, yeah, there's Air Papa, yep. there's um, well, there's the Sue Howard Morrison great really, there's Absolutely. How Great Thou Art Fakaria Mai yep. and um, Tarakihi. Tarakihi. So mm-hmm. why did you decide to have um, those particular waiata on the, on the album? Um, I think for a number of different reasons for each song really. Uh, each waiata meant something uh, well, it was really important to me. Uh, with Tarakihi, uh, I actually fought to have that on my on my first album. It's a song that, that I've always loved. Um, when originally Dame Kitty um, sang it, and she was incredible, and I've just it's always really resonated with me. So I felt that I wanted it to be on this album as well because um, I just felt that with something like that, with a song that is that huge, because it is, it's a gigantic song. Um, that I really needed to feel that I'd, I'd done my absolute best with it, and I felt that I, you know, I still it still had a step to go, and that's where we went on this album. Um, with with Fakaria Mai, um, that's a song that for me, you know, it, it was totally my um, my my musical upbringing, if you like. It was when I was sixteen and on tour with Sir Howard, I would stand um, in the wings on the side of the stage every night. And I would listen to him sing that song and I would just be in awe and I'd watch him um, just absolutely having the audience right there with him. And he was it was just incredible. And then he would invite us on, all of us in the cast, to, to sing that song with him at the end um, and to, to kind of end the show in that way. So I felt that with that song, I just, I, I loved it so much. And, and I think Sir Howard sang it so... You know, it was totally his song, and it was quite daunting going in and recording that. But that that song is dedicated to him.
And, I mean, you're also helped along the way. I mean, backing vocals with Tina Cross. Yeah, I know. You've got Richard <laughs> Nunn. Now, Richard Nunn is a, well, really, he's a tohunga in, in Taonga Puro. Yeah. So, I mean, how fantastic was it to work? Um, Jackie Clark, Taisha uh, Tuddy. Mm-hmm. Um, it Impressive. was yeah, it was amazing. Um, when I when I made this record, I actually didn't have a record label. I was doing this ind- independently, which was kind of scary because I was like nineteen and then putting it together and freaking out. Um, but when I um, got to the point where I was starting to develop the musical side of it and and develop how we were what the texture of the songs, um, I I called you know Tina and Taisha and and Jackie. They're all um, they're kind of like big sisters to me in the what's industry. What's the killer? What are the Lady killers. Lady the killers. Lady killers. Um, and with Suzanne, of course. And I just, I, you know, I've I've been lucky enough to grow up um, with, with them around me. And it, they're just such amazing role models for, for young New Zealand artists and especially for, for young women, like, to, to see them and to see um, their, their, just their spirit and, and, and the way that they do that they um, do their music is is just incredible. So when I when I called them and they said that they would they would come on board and 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 be um, do the backing vocals for me, I was just like so stunned and overwhelmed and and they're, they're just amazing. They're just so cool. <laughs> so Elizabeth, I'm looking at the um, CD sleeve and I and I must admit when I first um, picked up the album, I thought to myself, gosh, what a stunning looking girl you are. Are you Māori and in, in, in other yeah, cultures? Yeah, I'm. I'm Māori. My, probably the most, um, the strongest uh, cultural influences, I suppose, in the way I look. If that makes any sense. Um, <laughs> uh, Māori and and Czechoslovakian as well. Yeah. Um, my my grandfather uh, on my mum's side was from the Czech Republic. So, I, and I'm told quite often that that, that sort of really shows through. Kia ora, Elizabeth Marvelli, no Tiarawa Wakai, and you heard some of her songs which feature on her album Home. Anaida Atawiri Oterangi, no Tsuhoi, with this week's Fakatoki. Ah, Anubiate Tahi, Fakatoki, hey, hey, Fari Kiakinika, Kimoi Tiaroro Titanata, Mikira. United we stand, divided we fall. Next week, Tiahika features more coverage of the Takutai Moana Hikoi. You can listen to the show again and also delve into our audio archive on radioNZ.co.nz. Kua motu te hōtaka mō tēnei wā, ki ngā kaira wikiwiki mihini, ngā mihi. Hoki mai hei tērā rātapu mai te whānau ātiahi kā, kia tātou katoa. Mauri ora.